It's me, DB, and this guy over here. What's your name again, guy? Farm. I am Farmer Dave. All right. I am well enough. <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear, Dave. And uh, so, yeah, how, how's uh, how's everything in your world here in Oleander? Well, there's just been some strange things happening. Uh-huh. You know, just... The weird things around the you know the, the farmhouse. Yeah. You know, I reached down for my glasses. Uh huh. And there is a pair of glasses I've never seen before. Oh wow. You know, it took me three hours to find my real glasses. I don't know who these glasses are. Uh huh. But I'm nearsighted, and whoever these glasses belong to, they're farsighted. Yikes. So you know, I I I nearly sprained the, an eye muscle trying to look for these things. <laughs> and then you know, I'm not really a neat person uh-huh. but i'm very particular about my books right yeah my book someone went through and completely reorganized my books oh weird that's really weird yeah and and uh, you know and, and I, if they if they had fingers i'd say the goats to do it yeah but um that and half my towels are missing weird <coughs> sorry about that no problem so I was going over. I was going over to uh, uh, my friends, uh, uh, Bjorn and Finn and Finn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, for those people, they're really great. They're sort of old men. They look like they look like skinny garden gnomes. They're mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. four foot, and, and they um, they're uh, they're deacons in the uh, uh, Norwegian Orthodox Church. Uh-huh, yeah, and so they they wear the blue vestments and the, the little red pointy hats. Mm-hmm. So they really look like gnomes, yeah. and they got the big white beards. And I was just telling them, ah, yeah, I got this weird pair of glasses, and their face just goes white as their beards. Oh wow! And they say, and, and I won't, I won't try to do their accent, but it's kind of like the Swedish chef uh, meets you know the Pope, mm-hmm. uh, and it says, Farmer Dave, you have 
elves, evil elves. We must perform the orthodox Norwegian elf exorcism. Elf exorcism. Do you know how they perform elf exorcisms in the Norwegian Orthodox Church? Oh, I want to make jokes, but this isn't a jokey matter. How do they do that, Dave? It involves a little fish. Okay. And, and, and they're great little fish. But, you know, little fish, is, it's like tripe or menudo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It tastes better than it smells. Oh, yeah. You know how Native Americans get the evil spirits out of a house? They, they they take the smudge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with sage and my all that. House. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that sage and well, my house smells like burnt lutefish. <laughs> okay. Now I I will have I will say nothing weird has happened since then. Well, so that's maybe good. they're right. Yeah. But yeah, my right now my house is I've got all the windows open and you know we're just trying to air it out here. But yeah, my, if you come over, my house smells like burnt little fish. And these guys are so sincere and so nice, and they so believe in their beliefs mm-hmm. that yeah, I couldn't say no, even though I'm gagging on the the, the smell of little fish. Yeah. Huh. Oh wow, that's that's crazy. Oh well. Yeah. So how have you been? Well, I, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, just kind of hanging out. Um, just kind of assistant mayoring right now like there's not really anything going on in town luckily uh oh uh the other night i was over at the uh wrecking yard the uh auto body shop wrecking yard uh because uh, it's like literally on the other side of the graveyard and i you know I, i'm getting my steps in i gotta get my steps in yeah 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 but you know so I cross across the graveyard, and then I come back. Always wave to, uh, you know, the goths hanging out there and uh, miscellaneous uh, teen punk types. And anyway, so I'm out by the wrecking yard, and uh, I see all the, you know, the the young guys working there and, like, doing their pompadours and, you know, being like, Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. What's that up in the sky? Oh, my God. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I look up, and it's just like... This kind of like it looks like a black. It looked like a black, uh, kind of like a blackish, like like chrome and black at the same time. And it just like kind of like looked like it was at like about like twelve feet and then shot up like really high. But like the perspective. A, a black helicopter? No, no, no. It's like a sphere. It's like a sphere. It was like a black chrome sphere. It was like a dark chrome sphere. Maybe it was reflective, but it was also dark, and it hovered in the air, and then it shot up, and, like, the only thing I could tell you about what it looked like, besides it was, like, a sphere kind of thing, and it may not have been a sphere, it's just, like, just kind of, like, the edges that I could see, because it was kind of, like, the same color as the sky, but also not, and <laughs> this sounds really weird, but, um... There wasn't any, like, fire coming off of it, but there was a reflection of fire that would have indicated that the fire coming off of it would have been in, like, a crown shape or something like that. So, I don't know if this was a drone or something like that. At first, I was like, oh, Marcy and Minion are, like, Darcy and Minion are doing weird stuff. And I'm like, no, that's that's not a drone unless drones have, like, cloaking devices. Anyway, it was weird, and we're all like, oh my god. 
And I took a picture of it on my phone, and it's just kind of like a weird dot. It doesn't look like anything. Everyone else who took stuff on... Oh, hit a guitar. Everyone else who took pictures of stuff uh, was like, all, all, all I got was this weird dot, man. Oh, what do we do? And I'm like, all right, all right. And uh, then we, we kind of hung out, and we were waiting for it to move. And then the clouds came in, and then... Uh, we all hung out for about like half an hour more, waiting to see what would happen. And then I got cold and walked pa- back home. And I'm like, "Huh? Well, I'll look at the photo tomorrow and see." <laughs> I, I, I walked back, and uh, everyone at the wrecking yard was like, "Yeah, man, that was weird." And uh, I, I know I'm I'm just talking about one guy, but I feel like that represents that's them all. everyone that's everyone um <laughs> anyway so yeah they no. talk like that oh yeah yeah and and you know one guy's like yeah i was riding around on my motorcycle and i saw it it freaked me out and another guy's like yeah i was working the cockrusher and then i saw this thing and it's like we're, we're all talking about how it looked like it was 12 feet off the ground but based off of where we were all at it couldn't have been 12 feet off the ground so we don't know what's going on. It's weird. It it freaked me out. And then I became like strangely calm and unconcerned about it and then went to bed. And I'm like, that's not me at all. I have anxiety attacks if we're low on milk. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that that was me the other night. <laughs> that's the weird sphere I was talking about. Well if it comes back can I recommend Lunafish? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no. Yeah, yeah you, you just, uh, you know, and you know, I, I, I love Bjorn and send and send to death. Uh-huh. I don't know if I tell them that story because they're they're going to be like surrounding your house with herrings or something. Or, oh yeah. You know, stones with Harold Bluetooth signet written on it. So yeah, you may not want to mention it to them because. <laughs> They, yeah, I, I can't tell you what it is, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do we got going on this week? So, we've got actually a really good interview uh, with a poet and an author. Uh, and watch as I mess up. You can count how many times I mess up her last name because I'm terrible at names. Uh, so we have uh, Ashley Diosis, and or Diosis, I believe. I'm sorry, Diosis. Uh, and she's Diosis. She, I, I messed up thank her you. name years ago on this very podcast, and she told me uh, phonetically how her name's pronounced. So it's Diosis. Oh, well, thank you. I, I think I pronounced it diocese, and she's like, "It's definitely not that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So among her things, and she, if you go on, and I definitely recommend. In fact, I just ordered a book uh-huh. uh, which had a poem of hers in it, uh, and I didn't realize until we were talking. Actually, uh, I have actually quite a few uh, books uh, with uh, her poetry in it uh-huh. because I always try to buy at least one book of poems um, from um, uh, uh, from the Lovecraft Film Festival. Sure. So I I didn't realize it until we were talking. I have a whole, I have like three or four of your signatures. Yeah. But excellent and yeah. So I, I think I think people will really like this one. Cool, cool. Yeah. No, I, I I'm just gonna I haven't listened to the interview yet because you haven't sent it to me yet. 
Because um, I'm lazy? No, no, because your phone needs to be uh, updated. Because house elves? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I have to say, uh, over the years, I've, I've, I've recorded Ashley, and I've had Ashley send me recordings, and yeah, no, I really like her stuff a lot, and, and I... And ironically, we didn't realize it until the end, we were both on the same podcast once. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's and, and, and you, you you produced it. Oh, and it it included Nitocris, and she wrote a poem about Nitocris. Oh and yeah, I did the historical background on Nitocris. Okay, I I thought maybe you were talking about the ill-fated uh, poetry read at Sam's Billiards while people were playing pool, and K. A. Opperman was talking about. Uh, uh, necrophilia, which was like just like I kept seeing people's faces because his poem was about like loving the dead or something like that, and just like the looks on people's faces who were playing pool. <laughs> it was just kind of this weird, bizarre, magical afternoon. Uh, uh, I think I I think that I might have been at like the uh, Lehman Kessler interview on that. I missed that one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was uh, 2018, 2017 HPLHS, but yeah. Anyway, enough of us yakking. Let's listen to you and Ashley do some yakking. And then after that, we're going to do some Clark Ashton Smith on D&D on D&D. All right. We'll see you after the break, everyone. Bye. We'll be here. Promise. (laughs) And that is the good report for the day and you are listening to farmer dave on radio free oleander and we have got a special guest uh, and this is uh writer uh, ashley dialysis and uh ashley i'll let you introduce yourself hi i'm ashley diosis i am mostly a horror and dark fantasy poet and fiction writer I wrote uh, my first poetry collection, which is Diary of a Sorceress from Hippocampus Press. And I just had released my second poetry collection of supernatural horror called The Withering from Jack and Apes Press. And is that out now or uh, will it be coming out soon? It was just released in December, so it is currently available. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and you're also, in addition to a poet, you're a pretty uh, prolific prose author, too, are you not? Um, a bit. I've written some fictions and published here and there, but not as much as poetry. Okay. Well, we will definitely um, you know, talk about, about poetry as we go. Especially, I'm a huge fan, fan of uh, pulp poetry. Um, or and I use the word pulp pretty loosely, but I mean from the twenties to about World War II. Um, now, you do have do you have some new projects that are coming up too, or, or is this the uh, the big new project? Um, this is a big new tr- project, but I am working on another smaller collection called Darkest Days and Haunted Ways, and it's more of a psychological horror collection it doesn't have a lot of fantasy elements to it it's all has to deal with um horrors of shorter it's probably going to be around 30 poems 
Well, you had me at the title. That's an amazing title. I think I would buy anything with that title. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's amazing. Um, so, um, you know, you wrote uh, a book of uh, poetry. Um, excuse me. Um, what are those, the, the challenges? What, I mean, I think we all sort of get the idea of what sort of challenges there are to do a horror story in prose but to do it poetry you've got to tell the story and you have the limitations of, of poetry or do you not maybe see them as limitations uh, well it, it can be it can be difficult and it can be easy depending on how you spin your story if you're trying to capture a certain emotion or a certain scene um, it's it's only a scene. It doesn't take a in the beginning, middle, and end of a plot as fiction does. Uh, a poem, you can do that. You can take one screen and, and you feel what you smell, what you taste in that one scene, and that could be a split second. And you can write um, how you feel. You put your emotions into it, or you can write a narrative poem, which is a story that's in just in poetry form. And the poems that I write tend to be in meter and rhyme, such as ballads, which is an easier form to write when you write narrative. So if you write a story, a horror story, but you want to put it into a poem, the ballad form would be the best way to do that. Because that gives you your head when you read. So it just depends on what kind of theme or what kind of... Um, plot, whatever story you want to go for. If it's just you want to be a direct hit or you want to write a full story, uh, that kind of points you in what kind of form you want to write it in. Yeah, okay, thank you. And, and you know, I, we were really fortunate uh, of that in November um, that we had uh, oh, uh, uh, Derek Koch on and talk about poetry in the 20s and then uh, 30s, especially, I don't know if you heard that episode, but we talked about Robert E. Howard. And then uh, Dr. Samantha Underhill was on last month, and we talked about the, the poems of Lovecraft. And so, my audience, please th forgive me, and if you've heard me, please forgive me, Ashley, but uh, I suspect that you probably know a little bit more about this than I do. But in the 20s and the 30s, poetry really was the art of the masses. That, you know, newspapers had poems in Sundays. And, and, you know, the families would get together and they would, would read the poems. And, like, the kid that read the best poem would get, uh, like, an extra dessert or something. Yeah, because even um, Lovecraft stated, um, I think for his senses, that, that his um, profession was a poet. So I think it was a more popular back then than it maybe that it is today. Who knows? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it was sort of um, the automobile and the radio sort of, that's where pop music came in. But also a lot of them, especially in the 20s and the 30s, a lot of them were there were stories. They were from the beginning to the end. You know, it it had a conclusion. Mm -hmm. um, now you uh, recently, or maybe not too recently, I just recently discovered it. In fact, it is in 
Amazon didn't bring it to me today, but uh, hopefully it's going to bring it to me tomorrow. You are in a book called uh, The Aragon Legacy. Yes. Uh, could, you, could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, I was in a Facebook group. And <clears throat> Edward Stashev had asked if anyone had... Uh, either he asked or he already made a list. I'm not really sure if anyone had any stories or um, poetry that involved Avermoine. And... I think I think if I recall correctly, he came to me because he had learned that I wrote a poem about Sephora from the story Enchantress of Silaire. And so he wanted to know if I wanted to be a part of it. So of course I said yes. Well, excellent. Um, so without spoiling it too much, can you tell us a little bit about your your uh, contribution there? Um, so Sephora, so what I was doing, writing at that time, I was writing um, some femme fatale poems that were based on female, strong female characters from um, different gothic and different weird stories and novels. And after I had read um, The Return of the... I fell in love with The Enchantress of Silaire. So I wrote a poem based on her as a way not only just to get to know her and what kind of character she was, but also to let people know what kind of story this was. And if you liked Sephora, you liked the poem, it, it makes me hope that you would go out and seek the story and read it for yourself. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and, and I'm, I have, of the holy trinity of cosmic horror writers, Lovecraft, you know, Howard and, and Smith, I'm beginning to discover, I mean, I've, you know, read Smith since, you know, I was in high school and stuff, but I'm really beginning to understand him. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he introduced to Lovecraft because Lovecraft wrote him a poem saying, you're an amazing poet, I will never be as good as you. I believe that is correct. They they wrote to each other, and I think Lovecraft was the first one to initiate that. Yeah, and you think of all the people like Robert Block and stuff who write Lovecraft. This is somebody that really got Lovecraft excited. His poetry and his writing just got him, you know, it it, it, it inspired Lovecraft, and I think, you know, Lovecraft, I think we know really well because of Daryl's, you know, he saved Lovecraft's writing with uh, Arkham House. And, mm -hmm. I, and you know, uh, Howard, we know, of course, but Conan, but, and, and, I, and I love those too, but ounce for ounce for writer, Smith was probably a better writer. Please send your hate mail to Farmer Dave. <laughs> But, I think I do enjoy Clark's um, work better than Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard, though. I love them as well. Even though I believe, to me, um, Robert was, uh, I think he was easier to read. I just His work just flowed really well for me, and I enjoyed his work. I agree with you there. I, I, I agree um, a lot of ways, I think. And, and I, I love that you said that, because I think a lot of times I think Howard's writing to me, or he, he's, he's writing... To the masses, and that's not a bad thing. So I, I'm, I'm glad that mm -hmm. you, 
agree with me on that. Um, mm -hmm. But um, was there any other uh, uh, Smith writings or, or any other maybe inspiration to your poetry? Um, well, I'm actually still working through his poetry currently. I know I haven't read everything, but a lot of his work I have read so far, poetry-wise, has just been The Witch with Eyes of Amber. I just absolutely love that poem. It was a great poem. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've been... So, and uh, this is terrible of me, but it's been about three or four months that you know I, I started really reading his poems. I've, I've read his prose, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, since I was you know high school or early college. But there's that also that poem um, where uh, there's two two witches in the in the graveyard, and the, the narrator's talking to the, and I think it is two or three witches is the name of it, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did, I just love that one. What other poetics? Uh, what other poetic influences do you have besides uh, uh, Clark Ashton Smith? Um, the Book of Jade. Um, that one is a great one that I've read. I actually discovered that after learning about Clark Ashton Smith and um, H.P. Lovecraft. That one by um, David Park Barnett. That one's great. Um, also, Lovecraft. Robbie E. Howard has some really good poetry as well. Um, there's George Sterling. There is, let's see, Nora Mae French. Those are great. I'm trying to think. And those are the ones that come up pop off my top of my head. Those are some good ones. All volumes of those you can find at Hippocampus Press, by the way, which I kind of bought every single poetry collection from there so far, pretty much. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you for letting us know where you could, um, where we can get those. Now, um, I just, uh, before we run out too much time, you know, I think that we can all fairly say that no matter what, 2020 was kind of a hard year some way for all of us and you know just looking forward to 2021 is there any new fiction or poetry or horror that you're excited about this year um actually yeah <clears throat> my fiance k opperman he's coming out with his next halloween poetry collection from jack and apes press and that's called october I am definitely looking forward to that one. And also another poet, Adam Boulevard, his next poetry collection is called Ballads for the Witching Hour. And that's going to come out sometime this year by Hippocampus Press. And those are two I really look forward to reading. They're really great poets. I love to add those two to my collection. Excellent. And on top of that, I think the thing that, I mean, I, I understand we, we just have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of the people around us. And so we, we've got to limit contact. I'm so looking forward to hearing someone live in present read their poems or read their short stories. That's, that's going to that's gonna make my year. If we can all get there and do that safely, 
that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that would definitely be fun. All right. Well, um, again, uh, if we can just, you can also um, get, you have a quite a large section in Amazon if people are interested in uh, your writings and your, your poetry, correct? Yeah, as far as I know. <laughs> and, okay, and where, uh, and your new book of poetry, they can get where that, where can they get that? Uh, the one that came out in December, The Withering. Uh, you can get that from Amazon, and you can also get it from Jack and Apes Press. You can get it signed by me, and also John Shirley wrote the introduction of my book. You can also get a signature from him as well. Oh, excellent. Well, I will definitely put that on my to-do list. And thank you so much for for coming out and, uh, and uh, being on our show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. D&D on D&D was filmed before a live studio audience. Of goats. <laughs> hey, Dave, how's it going? I am well. You are well. All right. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. You're doing well. So, we're, we're going to be talking about Clark Ashton Smith on D&D on D&D. So... I, I, something I've been thinking about, and, and I think you've got your own thing here, but something I've been thinking about is how would I use Sothagua in a D&D campaign? And like the... the so I, w- I would tell you the first thing I would do. Oh, sure. M- mispronounce his name. <laughs> well, you know, that's the great thing about Sothagua. You can just be like, oh, I was using the ancient Roman pronunciation. Duh. Ah, <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> Haven't you heard how they pronounce it on the ancient Isle of Mu? <laughs> you know, Atlantean said what, Satagua. <laughs> what? You don't speak Micronesian? Good. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that is one thing that is nice about Satagua and a lot of other Cthulhu mythos entities is you can be like, well, that culture pronounces it this, so back off, Romanov. So, so, I'll, yeah, I'll, so I'll let you... Uh, I let you have your part of the show before I kidnap it real quickly, but but yeah, I was at a Portland horror film festival, uh-huh. and, and there was, uh, and, and I knew the answer, mm-hmm. but the question was, you know, which what was Ash, uh, Clark Ashton Smith's you know primary DSED, and I thought, you know, they gave me the shirt anyway. They figured it was right. It's like my handwriting is so bad. Yeah, David must have spelled the words right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was so bad. But I was the only one that knew was even close and i had like added 36 letters oh wow and i still got the t-shirt yeah no no sometimes when i go to those things i i'm you know if even if i'm like not on a panel especially if i don't know i always feel like am i allowed to answer these things it's like oh wait a minute i'm not here officially for anything i paid money and then i'll go head cheese uh the the working title for texas chainsaw massacre was head cheese and then you know then 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 the lovely gretchen hands me a t-shirt so, you know, but <laughs> yeah, uh, Sathagwa, Sathagwa, I'm looking at, uh, we've been talking about Portland Horror Festival and H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, and I'm looking at my Leave Rainey uh, 
on a cherry wood print of Sathogwa having sacrifices thrown into his mouth. And I'm like, that's the easiest thing to do with Sathogwa. <coughs> and I was like, what's, what's hard? What, what would be hard to do with Sathogwa? And I was thinking, well, what if we turn Sathogwa into like a regional house spirit? Of like knowledge or something like that. What if what if Sathagwa was kind of like a secret god for like librarians? What if like what 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 can you do with Sathagwa? And it's like the like how can we use Sathagwa in a non mythosy way that then later can reference the mythos when people are like, oh, it's just this little house spirit. It's just this house god. It's just just this cute little like uh, chubby frog bat guy that we put on the mantle that keeps uh, bad spirits away or something. But then maybe you find out that there's a deeper thing to it. Maybe there's a darker truth. There is a thing that lives underneath the city that people sacrifice maybe, you know, wandering strangers to. And kind of like layers upon layers. Really give it that Cthulhu mythos feel. But uh, yeah, no, no. And, and I keep thinking about like how, how would... Uh, you know, what other uh, Clark Ashton Smith type deities? And it's like one of the easiest ones I can think of is Atlatna Cha of like having like, what if a town or like uh, a forest or something like that, like a, a forest a collection of forest towns all worship or a farm collective all worships at Latin Cha, but just as like, oh yeah, no, this is a house spirit. It's like, oh, you know, spiders keep away flies, but, you know, maybe they're like donating stuff to at Latin Cha to bring about the end of the world. Because, you know, when at Latin Cha finishes its web, that's when the world ends. So, you know, stuff like that. <coughs> and, 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 and you get, oh, I didn't mean, but you get the, you get like the, the players that know it but their characters don't know it so they have to act dumb they have all these worried looks on their face oh yeah and the players have not heard of it are like what's going on what's going on i can't tell you oh you mean like playing in any uh D game with you dave <laughs> where you're the dungeon master it's yes like, it's like oh yeah my, yes, my bard has no idea what the uh yellow sign is but i sure as heck do <laughs> yes Oh, but, I'm sorry. I, I interrupt. Oh, no, no problem. No problem. <clears throat> I was going to say, <clears throat> um, yeah, no, I, I, I never have very smart bards. So even if, like, my bard did know, they may not actually know. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I, I, I was thinking about, like, various, like, Clark Ashton Smith type deities that could be used and... You you also you you also have some uh, Clark Ashton Smith type thingy that you wanted to talk about some yeah so oh yeah <coughs> so there is one official module that was made back way back in in the expert set and this is X two the Castle of Amber I don't know if you've ever seen seen um uh oh that module. But it came out in, in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, I didn't buy it when it first came out. Yeah. Because, it, you know, while I was doing some research, it was sort of this yellow, ugly yellow, burnt yellow color. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now, duh, it's amber. Yeah. And, and it's got this sort of purple giant tearing off this uh, tower off of a castle. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it came out, like I said, back in the, the expert days, you know, when elves and halflings and dwarves were, were an actual class. You weren't uh-huh. a, you know, an elf spellcaster, you were an elf. Um, and it was a, it was a, you know, Wizard, or not Wizards of the Coast, it was a TSR official product from TSR. Okay. And Goodman Games has recently redone it. Huh. Um, and I don't know if you, this is the fifth one they've done of the classics. Okay. And so what they do is they have the original, the original module, then they have the module as fifth edition, and then they had a lot of extra things. So this has like an, uh, an article about how, you know, Clark Ashton Smith was, uh, inspired, you know, and I, I mistakenly said on the internet, you know, this was based on a Clark Ashton Smith story and, and I was corrected. It's based on a Clark Ashton Smith story. It's not a story put in to, um, you know, a, a, an adventure module, mm-hmm. but it includes his area. Um, which I can never pronounce again, but is based on you know 13th century Avignon oh. uh, in France. Okay, yeah, no, uh, and, yeah, I, 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 yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and uh, it's, it's like Avignon, and and Ashley pronounced it. So if you play this back about 20 minutes, she pronounces it correctly. Uh, but I have always just pronounced it Avignon because. Um, I base it on I, I just think of the the area in France where the anti popes came from, mm-hmm. but also the beast of Avion. Oh, you mean Alvin? What Alvin? Is that how you Alvin? Yeah, that's how I, I was told I to pronounce Avion. the uh, cheese producing region. That that uh, yeah yeah Alvin. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're probably correct. Yeah, uh, but I, I know it for anti popes and werewolves. Gotcha. Um, so they've redone this, okay. and they've added, and I haven't gotten it yet, but they have the original castle. Basically, you've got the, the Amber family. It's mm-hmm. sort of classic Lovecraft myth, you know, even Howard, where there's like this cursed castle, like a haunted house, mm-hmm. and you've got to, you know, solve the mystery, defeat the evil. And as near as I can tell, it has, at the time, it had a whole list of new, new monsters. Okay. Um, that were new then but now or every book including uh the rashaka the indian uh, tiger lion yeah. demon dude yeah so, <laughs> so um and what the goodman games do um they've added actually a second level huh so you got the castle and then they've added actually a second level on two of the wings hmm um, and I haven't played it, I haven't run it, but I'm told it's really good. Nice. And it also has the original, like I said, the original print, mm-hmm. but it also has the the original map. And and you probably know this, but you notice that on the maps, when you open up all the folders, mm-hmm. are all printed in blue? Yeah. So you can't you know photocopy why? them. <laughs> yeah, the photocopier back then couldn't copy the blue. Oh, yeah. I think they can now, but... I haven't had to copy it, but yeah. So I hadn't played that one, and like I said, back then, you know, I think it was like six bucks for a module, mm-hmm. and, and I was the worst. I, you know, I it was I bought stuff because of the cover, you know, and this had I didn't really have that impressed by that cover, and I could buy for the same price mm-hmm. that two Dragon magazines, which would give me three or four starter adventures, maybe something for you know Marvel superheroes. Uh, and there was a possibility, you know, it would have this beautiful art on the cover, mm-hmm. and the possibility it would even have cheesecake on the cover. 
<laughs> so, you know, I, I spent more of my money on, on the Dragon magazines and the modules. Yeah. But, um, and, um, so this is the only one that is really a official mythos module. Yeah. And, and it has the, uh, the land. Now, um, they're very, um, up front that, you know, Lovecraft, you know, Cthulhu is, you know, the Mind Flayers are based on Cthulhu mm -hmm. and the Shagana are based on, um, you know, the Deep Ones. Mm -hmm. But um, there were a couple of Robert E. Howard modules, um, which now running like 600, 900 bucks. Huh. Um, so, and, but they weren't really Robert E. Howard. Mm -hmm. They were a couple of Conan. Okay. And they were movie tie-ins sure. and, and you know, I've read some reviews that at the time they weren't they weren't really Howard, they were Hollywood yeah. Conans. But there was also and um I I heard a little story about this one. You know, there was a, a Red Sonia. Okay. Uh and you know, and it came in this, uh, you know with the the Red Sonia movie mm -hmm. uh with Brigitte Nielsen. Mhm. Mm you, you want to know what my opinion of Brigitte Nielsen and Red Sonja is? What's that? She's the least attractive Red Sonja cosplayer I've ever seen. Not that she, especially <laughs> in her prime, you know, she was a beautiful woman. But every con I've ever gone to, anyone, even, even I will admit, and, and I'm not coming out or anything here. Sure. I even the male, I saw once saw a male Red Sonja cosplayer, and he nailed it. Nice. You know, he, he had a nice red beard. You know. Um, so back to where I was distracted about women in chain bikinis, but um, so the story I heard from Darcy mm -hmm. was that way back when they were in high school, her brother uh, Jack, you know, Minion, uh -huh. um, Jack had not read any of the Conan and the Red Sonja comic books. You know, he saw the commercials, and so he he goes to his. His dungeon master, I think they said his name was Richard or something mm -hmm. at the time, back when he was in high school. And he buys a copy of this Red Sonja adventure. You know, and he says, you're going to run it. You're going to run it for me. And so Richard, you know, plays got a free module. Okay. So he, he gets it in. You know, he spends two weeks studying it. And, and you got to remember, just classic minion. You know, the guy just, he doesn't think before he gets into things. Mm -hmm. So... He's all set up, you know. He's told you gotta, you know, create a tenth level character because there's like a tenth level module, and so he makes this tenth, uh, uh, <clears throat> tenth level, you know, uh, uh, fighter. And I think this was like back when they had, uh, uh, I mean this, mm -hmm. you know, it makes this communist eighteen, just this big old macho, a uh, fighter, and so Richard the DM starts reading the adventure. He talks about the first part about you know how Red Sonia has dedicated her life uh, to purity and virginity until a fighter can defeat her. And and Marcy was apparently in the room just watching. She said, Minion's face just died. You know, he just dry dropped. It. <laughs> there goes my plans. Gross. <laughs> Gross. What's or kind of gross as your twin sister's telling that story, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's so many mother. levels to gross to that. It's like, well, none of this <laughs> yeah. is really uh, improving my opinion of Minion. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so um, every is just 
those, those reprints, they're they're all hardbound. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've heard there's a few missteps there, you know, maybe some, you know, uh, ruined it. But, yeah, I've heard, especially this one, but all of the um, Goodman uh, Games reprints, they're just knocking it out of the park nice. right now. Nice. One of these days, I want to either run or uh, play in, uh, I think it's... Uh, the A series of the uh, old D and D modules, the uh, the Slaver series, where uh, my personal favorite is, uh, I think it's like Escape from the Slave Pits or something like that, or Assault on the Slave Pits mm. or something like that. It's A two, and uh, yeah, no, it's like this uh, guy named Icar has like a, a massive. It's it's oh man, it's it's. It's crazy. Blow your mind, man. It's like full of goblins and boglins and hubgoblins and scubble dubs and oh, it's it's amazing. I, I totally lost well, my train of thought on it, so I just made some stuff up. No, I was just say one of the one of them. You know how I was saying I didn't really like the cover on, on the Castle of Amber uh-huh. or Castle of Amber. Uh, one of them though. Um, one of the Slaver series. That's the one I think where you're on the island. And you're like you infiltrate the Slaver city. Yeah. It had the most beautiful orange color I ever saw. Huh. I bought all the other ones just so that I could run that one because I love that color of orange. I'm not. I'm ninety I'm percent sure that A2 had a green cover, and it also had like this was like A4 or A5. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it had a monster, a creature called a Boggle that then I never saw again in any other Dungeons and Dragons, and a really cool trap of uh, having like lodestones in the wall that could be moved and stuff like that so like if you had a guy in like full plate armor he had to get out of his full plate armor to like pull his plate armor off of the wall because you couldn't make a strength check to pull yourself oh. off of a magnet and just like it's like you know anyone with light armor you know like non you know not wearing plate mail or you know it's like non-ferrous metal you're fine but if you're a warrior and decked out in metal you know, your your sword's gonna stick and, and just you know it's pretty funny anyway <laughs> i think that's enough D D on D D unless you have anything else to throw out there dave no i was gonna say good times oh yeah great oldies all right thanks everyone for listening to D D on D D and hey thank you for listening to radio free oleander you, yes you, yeah you can check us out at pgttcm.com. We're also going to be at pgttcm spelt out.com on Twitter. And we're on Facebook if you search for 1130 AM KZOM, or if you search for Radio Free Oleander, or if you search for People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, or if you search for Black Clock Audio Tales, or I don't know. We're, we're all over the place, but you can find us that way and help us out on iTunes. Remember oh, to. Oh. The new new way to find us? Yeah. If you are on Spotify. Oh yeah, Spotify. You go into the search, just type in the word Oleander, and we're like the number three podcast on that list that has the word Oleander in its title. <laughs> well, I don't know how many there are, but you can find us. We're number three, and it has two of our ep- actually I think it has Oleander Book Club episodes huh. there. But yeah, yeah. So you you want your your Oleander fix and don't know how to get it. Just go into Spotify, type Oleander, scroll down to, um, um, you know, podcast and count to three. 
I, I, I always suggest people uh, Google Cthulhu Mythos. That's a good way to find us. Uh, we, we've done quite a few episodes on the Cthulhu Mythos, or any kind of stuff like that. A lot of the times you can find us that way. But if you're hearing this, you've already found us. Why not recommend us to some friends who want to listen to some, uh, you know, maybe don't want to listen to people talk about D&D, but what about the uh, audiobooks that we offer? And we've had some really good pulp detective stories this week. Uh, They've been amazing. Yeah. Uh, next month, we are going with some science fiction. Uh, that uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I think it's called The Cosmic Computer or something like that. Anyway, and... Um, yeah, that's what we've got going on for the month of February. I don't know what's going to be going on in Oleander. And without a mayor, we don't have any parades. So, I don't know. I don't know if I have the say to declare a parade this, this month. But, I don't know. Maybe we'll do something. Anyway, thank you so much who's for to, listening. Who's what's to stop you? I don't know. Who's to stop you? I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure something out. All right. Thank you again, everyone. Dave, do you have anything to say before we go away? Bye. All right.